Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Happy Wednesday, my beautiful Busy Mumsies. Actually, happy last Wednesday of January 2024. Oh, how are you doing? Ashley here, and she be doing good. Thank you very much. I hope you had a wonderful ring into the new year. And I hope that January brought you lots of joy, happiness, bliss, not too much stress, not too much stress on the shoulders of I have to do this. I have to do that. And I have to hold myself all things accountable Um, because, you know, January can always be tricky. Yeah. And that's about all I have to say about January. I got through it and I'm feeling good. Well, today I am welcoming Hannah Naomi Jones onto this week's Busy Mumsy podcast. Now, I have to share, I came across Hannah on YouTube, came across her as a TEDx speaker, because I love, let me let me just say, I love to sit, have a have a nice cup of a cup of coffee, maybe five or six or twenty thousand of them. And I just enjoy hearing from so many different people, different genres of life and what they advocate for, what their thoughts, their journeys may be. And let me tell you, Hannah Naomi Jones, she's got the confidence, the class, and the education to back it all. She's a social impact strategist, storyteller, organizer, and a community partnership leader. I'm so ready to meet her. And I have to say, and we're probably going to talk about it. We have been playing schedule tag for like uh, a month, maybe a month and some change. I don't know. I'm just so thrilled she's here. So let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Hannah Naomi Jones, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I have to share to the listeners right away, Hannah, because I've we finally, we have been trying to do a recording together since 2023. <laughs> right, right. But it's still been time, right? A lot of time has gone by. So. It, it literally, it, it has taken us about almost two months to finally be where we are today. And I like it. I'm feeling good about it. So thank you. Our schedules have aligned. Officially. <laughs> But, you know, I must say there there is a lot going on in the good old U.S. of A., which, as the listeners know, I am from there and that is where you are sitting. But whereabouts are you in the U.S.? I am actually in the DMV area, which is really the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. But my heart and my whole life have been raised in Southern California in like Los Angeles. So this is I've only been here about four years. I consider myself bicoastal um, because I have come here to do national work. So, yeah, 
you, you are you are doing some heavy work that we are definitely <laughs> into. But I mean, I am through and through an East Coast gal because I'm actually from West Virginia, and my brother, I know, right? And I, my brother's actually he's uh, in Virginia. He's in like the Norfolk area. Oh wow! Now, yeah, but he's a military. Where they get it done. This is where they get it done. <laughs> They get it done. I have to say, my my love for DC is rather great. Um, being that like I was pretty much raised in New York City, um, DC was like always like one of the cities that I loved when I got to do shows and like out of town tryouts for Broadway shows and stuff. And um, I just love it there. The culture, the food, just like the the people, just kind of just everything. It just kind of it's like a mini a mini New York, but with with way better like cleanliness and. <laughs> Right, just a little bit, right? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, there's trees, right? Yeah. Fresh you know, air. There's trees and there's no rats. So, you know, it's kind and of winning. Like, like Max because of the, the White House and Air Force One, right? <laughs> or the building. Exactly. Well, Hannah, I want to dive in first because, like I said, there's a lot to go over. And with an election coming up and, like, there's just a lot I want to start with you and your confidence, because one thing that is super clear as can be is that your confidence in everything that you do on your platform just projects. Where does that come from? What sparks you from within? And when did you kind of like find like, oh, I have a voice and I'm I'm ready to stand up in it? Right. Um, ironically, I've been confident probably most of my life, because a majority of my life, I've seen a lot of trauma, systemic issues, but didn't know they were called. Um, right. And I kind of begin to have this fight back mentality when I realized in my teenage years, you either lay down and cry about it, or you take action. And um, depending on how bad things are, you kind of have nothing else to lose right? The person that's at the bottom, the, the only place to go is up. And because I didn't have a lot to lose and I was so much to fix, I began to really um, lead from my narrative. I didn't know policy. I didn't know anything. I knew what I'd been through. I knew I was poor. I knew I wanted the schools to be fixed. I knew we needed uh, speed bumps after a young girl was hit and, and killed in the neighborhood, I knew there was an urgency. So I was raised and born into and bred into, unfortunately, the urgency of removing uh, barriers. But the real, I guess, unapologetic bite kind of came from being a mother mm. um, and beginning to defend and protect my children in ways like, how do you protect your children from systemic challenges or just children who, my kids were raised in Orange County, California, who best friends were Indian and white and didn't understand some of the, the, the uh, microaggressions. They were only like five. And so that dealing with different systems and people and bridging and having co uh, courageous conversations to protect my children and also wanting to be like in my community and be friends with the principals and teachers. I'm not here to fight or be enemies. I, it was a very tight rope line to walk in, but I that that kind of cleaned up that courage um, and that energy where I'm unapologetic, I'm honest, but I'm also here 
to build community, um, right? So protecting my kids gave me a different version of courage. So, um, and I, I'm here today for it. And other people, I think I've always, I've been, I think I was born with advocacy in my DNA to advocate for others. You know, I, I, yeah, but I want you to continue on about, about kids and how they do change you. And I think that it's, confidence is like an amazing thing and it's an amazing gift given to to people and when used in the right way like how you are using it is just really like awe inspiring and then you add the layer of children to it that can that can let's be real can wear you down wear you <laughs> down <laughs> perhaps make you a little bit tired and cranky just a bit, just a bit. <laughs> juggle because I find that like, for instance, like if, if I'm, if I'm doing work and then I've got my daughter and like, I'm trying to be as positive and, and all of that, it can sometimes go crash and burn. Like it really, really can. And then I can't find a way to get myself back, to get myself back to being a good parent. How do you, how have you through your parent journey balance both of them because you also are very much at not only advocating for you and your family, you advocate for others, like you said. So that's like, it, it's like when I have doctors on, it's like, how do you take off the doctor hat and the mommy hat? Like, how, how do you do it? How do you do it? Right. Um, I, I really understand the power of the why versus the what. Um, I was really worn down, discouraged, would really get discouraged easily when trying to achieve a what. Um, and then when you have a why that goes first, anything is possible. Um, and my second kind of tool is the constant reassessment of priorities. And I'll unpack both of those real quick. So the why, um, there's like three forms of advocacy, right? You start, I say we all advocate. At some point you ask your parents, can I go here? Here's why. So there's a self-advocacy. And then you may advocate for someone else or others. And then as you grow and learn, you may advocate for your community. So we're constantly advocating. When you have a mindset to see the problem and solution um, and begin to see solutions, when you see a problem, your why becomes like the priority. And it gives me this encouragement to do the what. Even though you're encouraged and inspired, it doesn't last forever in a more tangible way because like you're saying, how do you balance? And that is where constantly prioritizing. And I am a person that's constantly in my mind asking, going to bed, thinking about my tasks and to-do list, waking up, giving myself grace that those change. What happened in our plan last night may be totally different. I wake up like yesterday where I thought that we were meeting and the vice president of the United States office asked for something from me. And I was at the same time. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and so I was like, I need two minutes. And I logged on 10 minutes after two minutes. Right. And so that was inaccurate. But that morning completely flipped on his head. And so I give myself grace. Um, but I come to meet one second. But when the vice president calls. <laughs> yeah, I said, I don't understand this. Right. And, and but see, here's the thing. I also have I also have in mind it has to get done, meaning I need to meet with you because we said I would. 
and I also need to meet this demand. So immediately I tried to problem solve by saying, give me a few minutes. My mm -hmm. actually in the back of my head, the next course of action, if I could not complete what they asked for, where I'm not harming your time, I was going to ask to reschedule. But I tried to make sure everybody was satisfied, at least within those first 10 minutes. That I might be I need a dinner. Like, what am I doing? I are you going to, are you be polarized? You'll stop and say, yeah. you know, and I, I, I mentor people all the time who stop. And when everyone is shooting darts at them, they stop. They don't defend. They don't do anything because it's a lot. And we got to normalize, like be a human first, but yeah. then we can't stay there long. That is like literally how I achieve things because I, I actually personally do shut down, especially on Fridays. I'm like, listen, too many arrows. And I'll wake up and ask for grace on Monday for people. So I'm saying this, but it does still happen. This is just minimizing that. <laughs> so making sure it doesn't happen as much, but it's normal. The, the higher you go up, the more you're accountable for, the more you're going to have to prioritize. And the kids will not give you as much grace as you give yourself, which is why you have to give you grace. My teenagers Do you all find that more so when they get older, or is it like kind of like the most forward? Older. Younger. I have a 19 year old and a 17 year old. Oh, My daughter is less forgiving. She is less forgiving, a little spoiled girl. I love her to death. And I say spoiled not by material, but by life. Life hasn't really hit her. So she doesn't yeah. get it. So you can't get mad at her. She's 17. She'll get it. It's, it's a it's a waiting game. <laughs> wait, wait, what does she get to where we are? And hopefully it won't be as bad because hopefully she learns to be better than us. Right? Wow. I, I can't wish on them for them to well, go through what I'm going through, right? Because we want them to be better. <laughs> yeah, I want to ask about your ideas to action. And right. are you using that tool that you love to coach others with? Are you using that type of verbiage with her with ideas to action? Yes, I think it's much harder with kids, especially um, my kids were raised around marches, rallies, protests, negotiation meetings, sitting in the hallway doing their homework where I'm in the boardroom. Uh, going back to one of the early original questions, um, part of my drive is also I don't like being told no. So no means find out of the way. I was told you'll never be a single mom, divorced and be a higher education administrator professional. So my kids live with me on campus. My kids, you know, bad mom or not, I call it, they were on campus till midnight with me. They were always by my side. So I say that to say my kids also um, are kind of like, eh, okay, mom. So they don't hear me as much as if you call me and ask me for advice that could really change what you're doing. And I can tell them something that can change their world. And they're kind of like, it's mom. They're used to it. And so I have to take a different approach with my kids. I have to use the... Um, Socratic method. I ask them questions to get to a higher thinking or an answer. I can't make demands of my kids because they're so used to this voice and this energy that's actually in the, the project management. Like I treat the house like project management, like we're in a sauna or, or Slack and they're like, okay. So unfortunately those tools work, but a lot of times they don't, they want to be human, especially this generation. They want to kind of be a little more humanized. And so go to lunch and say, so how's theater going? My daughter asks, how's theater going? Okay, so you didn't, you're didn't, not off script. What do you need from me? What, what, what does off script look like from you? Lots of questions. I cannot say, here's what you need to do. Here's the strategy. I can't get that to my kids. It don't, it don't work that way with them. It used to, 
to adjust your footing with them now. Right, right, right. They're used to mom. They're like, oh, here she go. And I don't want them to turn off their ears. Be like, here she goes. She thinks she on the rally on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And they laugh at me. They actually laugh. We laugh a lot. They they mock me. But but this also then goes into how you coach and approach your work with storytelling, meaningful storytelling. Like how have you used that in the projects, in the advocacy, in the the rallies, and the I mean, I want to hear about TED Talk. Like how, how did you approach storytelling to then stand before a huge audience on a mega platform, TEDx? I mean, that's like bucket list dreams for me one day. I'm gonna have <laughs> that out there one day. But for you, how was it important for you to step on that stage and storytell? You know, I used to be very ashamed of my story because um, I was the underdog. I'm the one, I've been on welfare. I have been, my lights have been cut off. And one day I was talking to 250 community college students at UCI, University of California, Irvine. And my lights actually got cut off. If you know, a lot of higher education professionals get very paid actually very little. And I had worked several jobs and I went on like it was nothing, told the kids by the time you get home, lights would be on. But I went on to work and I had this prepared speech, PowerPoints, and I got off script. And these kids were from Compton Community College, these students. Some of them are dot reentry. So we, if you know Compton, California, uh, just Google it um, and historically. And I just started telling the truth. I said, the, the truth is today my lights got cut off. And I began to talk about my story and leave from my narrative and say, but here's where I am. Here's where I started. Here's where I am now. And here's what you can do. And there was not one dry eye in the room. And I began to be an intentional storyteller from that day and not just tell the issues, but talk about the issues intentionally. So when I got to speak to Nancy Pelosi, I spoke uniquely about the power of equity in the arts. Uh, when I when I talked to those students, I spoke uniquely about how I was an adult reentry student. I went to four community college. I dropped out of high college and then went back with kids. And it took me. I moved around because I was always not keeping an apartment. And I said I stayed enrolled everywhere, every city I went to, Long Beach Community College, all of them. And to, eventually I finished community college and ended up getting transferred to a four year institution. And I talked about that journey and lead, storytelling literally has opened every door you see me walk through now. And this is why I say lead from your narrative. And this is why my TED talk isn't on advocacy. It isn't on organizing. I didn't, wasn't, I didn't wake up and say, I'm going to be an activist or you want to call it. I woke up and wanted to be the president. I wanted to be a dancer and dance behind Janet Jackson. But my story changed that. It's like, so I can lay down and die and say, woe is me, or I can change it. And leading from your narrative is called discovering your authenticity. And part of your authenticity is your unique story and add and potential and gifts you bring to the world and how to use that to make an impact. Everybody is destined to solve at least one problem in this world. And storytelling has led me to sit and improve various industries. And so the biggest gift I can tell you to do is discover that authentic ad, not to advocate. Now those come second. Find out who you are and what you came to do and how make sure you're making an impact doing it. How can you keep that authenticity when we live in a bubble of this social media platform in 
a gazillion different ways, right? I mean, so we're not just talking like, you know, singular, just Instagram. We're talking so many different outlets. How do you stay true to your authenticity? And how, and not only that, but also as you are a mom and that that other hat, how are you, how, how do you balance those hats out? I constantly do temperature checks um, because we're all questioning ourselves. Uh, I think, you know, you're kind of leading authentically when you're getting ready to post something that is different, that is you, and you question it more than you would question anything else. And I think that's important to do, but also having the courage when to push the button. I think also taking that big step back and looking at the bird's eye view and just managing how much time and effort where things go. I love what Oprah and Michelle Obama's conversation, um, I think for her first or second book, they said, you can have everything um, that you ever want in life, but not all at once. And mm-hmm. it's all, as I'm going to be 40 this year, it's all coming to fruition. That means um, in all the things we try to balance, no air, there will be no perfect balance. And so you have to constantly take that step back, bird's eye view, and say, I've put so much energy over here, less over here, I have to shift. That's how I do use that method to see what am I posting? What am I writing? How am I managing projects? What's going on with the kids? How much have we actually gone on vacation and spent time? So it's not just social media, it's everything. And how are you managing it and saying, and doing that constant assessment of, you know, uh, balancing of the skills. It'll never be a perfect balance. And so this year, because I put so much time and advocacy and work, I actually want to step back and be normal and be less methodical with what I post. And and if I don't have anything to say, don't say nothing at all. Like, And I'm doing that because I put so much energy in that bucket is so empty. <laughs> uh, the, the just being me and being peaceful and not worrying. Right? I, I'm not worried about too much in terms of what the public sees too much. I wanted to weigh in on all the madness that was happening at the top in January already. And I was, I did, I reposted some stuff, but I started articles and stopped, started articles, started writing opinions and stopped. I did a lot of that last year. That's how I'm finding balance. That works for me. Um, social media is tough to maintain that. I think if you you could be perfect and get all the followers and engagement, or you can be yourself and get an authentic and organic audience. I think there's also a mix of both. I'm a huge marketer, brander person, right? Branding person. So you can have a mix of both, but I think you can't let, uh, marketing and branding should be tools, right? Conduits. They shouldn't be your number one focus and be a hollow, empty shell. I, I work with people who come to me all the time and ask me to brand them and they look good and they smell good and all these things are good, but they have no opinion, no thought, they're empty. And I'm allergic to that. And so I'm like, I can't help you. I asked a series of questions and realized, oh no, you're using your money to do good, but you 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 don't think for yourself. Well, well, I, Hannah, I I have to first say this. Um, you know, your your birthday, you, you will be entering the 40s club um this year. And I want to say the water is great. I have already been in it for three years now. Woo-hoo. And <laughs> Let me just say, it is a wonderful 40s pool to be swimming in, so welcome. And secondly, in terms of the buttons that you do want to push and the the areas that you really want to lean into this year, because it's a big year for America, big year. Where do you want to put your efforts? Where do you want to lean into that you feel that your voice, your purpose can really speak volumes? Yeah. 
Um, the two, on a personal note, um, healing and leadership development is huge. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our problems derive from not having people who are organic, authentic, ethical leaders. I say systems exist, but people run systems. I mean, it's if, if change is not possible, then what's the point? Why are we doing this? That means that if we're doing this, we believe there's some version of change, unless there's some alternative ulterior motive just to start mess, right? And so I, be I believe in developing people, uh, and that means pouring into the younger generation, because the older you get, the harder it is to change, not giving up on older folks, but that balance of making sure we're cultivating the next generation because these problems may not be solved in our lifetime. These problems may not be solved in the next 10 years. But if you know that the next generation is being developed, cultivated to be authentic and make a change, then I am at peace. I am hopeful. The current generation is maintaining um, what's happening and just making sure they're advised and have it at leaders and held accountable. So that leadership development piece is key. In terms of issue advocacy, there are three areas, I'm gonna say two really that's important and that's gun violence. Um, I took up the cause for gun violence as it's an epidemic just like COVID-19. Um, it is ravished and torn apart um, the black community for years, but now it is the number one killer of children, not car accidents, um, not cancer, gun violence. Everyone is being affected. Do we even have the statistics really from like way, way back? This like enough statistic to know that it really just hasn't changed. It's just always been the same and, and awful and no one wants to take accountability for it. Right. It, it's it's a and that's why we have to have a comprehensive approach. I work with Red United Against Gun Violence and they believe in a comprehensive approach about changing industry, about changing yeah. culture and about changing laws. All those three things are so important. Changing industry is holding the industry accountable. Changing laws are about gun safe laws and even making sure we have legislators who are GVP, gun violence prevention champions. Those things are so crucial. And changing culture is important where laws cannot do the work. But think about when seatbelts were not required. And our president, Chris Brown, talks about watching the Brady Bunch and they're like being three or four episodes where they asked the, 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 the children, Jan, they asked the parents, I believe, to buckle up. Do you know how many kids, because of television, begin to ask their parents to buckle up? And that's called changing the culture. And so we do something called Show Your Safety, where we're actually working in Hollywood to do that. But we're not actually mandating or asking for the laws to go over there, but we're asking creatives to think creatively about gun safety and culture. So those three pieces, changing the industry, changing the culture, and changing laws is the comprehensive approach. And I believe it's going to help. But the biggest thing I'm most passionate about is community involvement activism. It starts yeah. locally. So as Brady is doing that national work for 40 years, we empower communities, but there are people, everyday people on the line. Um, that's why we're, you know, you see more offices of gun violence prevention in different cities and states. Um, Maryland, uh, Westmore just announced they need an Office of Gun Violence Prevention. The White House just launched the Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Those things are going to ensure that there is local action where it has, has, has the biggest impact in cities and states. And so that's a priority for me because it's killing us. We're blinking and it's killing us. I believe 48, almost 50,000 people 
um, have died of gun violence. Half of that is around suicide and firearms, and the other half is homicide. That's a wild number. Black oh, wow. men are 14 times more likely to die of a homicide or gun violence than any other group. I mean, it's, yep. it, it's awful. So, and the second is health equity, um, because that goes hand in hand with mental health support, with uh, health uh, uh, intervention as well. Um, I think we need, I mentioned healing about leadership. There's a big piece of healing that we need that um, it's more than laws. It's more than gun violence, I think, collectively. So those two issues are huge. Um, obviously, the third I was going to say is finance and entrepreneurship, economic empowerment. Um, we need it now more than ever. <laughs> but those are my three priority issues. And I, I'm, I'm taking um, everything I have to champion those issues personally and professionally. Um, and my kids know it and they're little activists on campus. They have their own opinions, too. That's another thing as a mother, my son and his opinions on guns. Very interesting, you know. Um, and you have to let them have it. you like, like, right. And they're learning. And I see the evolution after that's why you let them be with you because he can have his opinion and he can go with me to the Supreme court and hear survivor stories and hear different things. And, and his paradigm is completely shifted. So I don't force it, but I do expose them. That's really important. Well, I, well, I have to say, I, I realize that we, we don't know all the answers. We and don't. And I know that that you can agree that you know you're not saying that everything I say is a thousand percent and that that's it. But if you could give your words of wisdom to a parent who is trying to navigate this crazy world with gun violence and how they can educate themselves and their family more for the better, what could you kindly advise? So no matter if you believe we should have guns or not, I think that the find the common ground, which is safety. We all want to be safe where we live, work, and worship. We want to go to the movie theaters and feel safe. We want our kids to go to school and feel safe. And if we all literally align on that common interest of safety, then you can vote on common sense gun safety laws. You can support and go vote for those in the election that are uh, common sense gun safety champions. Those things will keep you safe and they're not to remove um, your second amendment or your right to own a gun or whatever the case may be. We have, um, one of the things you can do beyond voting is every day in your home. If you have a firearm in your home, gun safety, lock it up, remove the ammo. We have a program called ask. We ask parents, just like you say, is there a pool? Just to make when they go over, your kids go over someone's house, you ask them, is there a, a firearm that's not uh, stored in the home or those questions. We, If you actually go to BradyUnited.org, we have an ask program and there's all these things you can do right from your computer, your home that literally can help you take action. I think that's one of the greatest things a parent can do is actually ask about firearms in the home, ensure that there is a, a safe storage component issued within the home around firearms. That doesn't remove anybody's rights. That is not shaming anybody. It's just saving lives. Uh, well, Hannah, please continue to move the mountains that you are moving. 
and please keep inspiring. I can't thank you enough for your time. I'm so glad our schedules came together as this was an absolute brilliant chat that I can't wait to hear again once my editor has it all done. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I just want to tell you, uh, you are inspiring so many people. Um, I am so grateful to even be able to be amongst you and, and offer any words to your audience, to yourself. Uh, and may you reap everything that you have sowed good in the world um, and bless you for your time. And happy soon to be 40. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. Yeah. <laughs>